Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Galatians chapter 5 this morning. Galatians chapter 5. We have been in this passage of Scripture for a couple of weeks now, and I trust that you have been able to read it again and again and digest it and apply it to your hearts. As you have read it, I trust that you have noted what the Apostle is trying to tell us. You know, sometimes it's easy to read Scripture, it's easy to study Scripture and miss some things. And so I want to point out to you as we begin this morning and to study this passage again, some, some critical words that are necessary if we're to recognize the contrast that Paul is giving to us between the Spirit and the flesh. I have these words circled in my Bible, you may want to do the same. So let me give you the words, and then we're going to read this passage together. Verse 16, the word but. Verse 17, the word for. Verse 18, the word but. Verse 19, the word now. Verse 22, the word but. Verse 24, the word and. In verse 25, the word if. There's a contrast. A contrast between the flesh and the spirit, and it's actually a battle that is taking place. And Paul recognizes that if one is going to take place, the other can't take place in our lives. And if we are going to walk according to one, we can't be walking according to the other. And so it's these conjunctions that Paul uses to identify the difference between the flesh and the gospel and grace and spirit that God has given to us. Let me read this passage for you. I will begin with verse 16 and I will end with verse 26. You follow along in your copy of the scriptures, please. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But you are led by the Spirit. You're not under law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
we've learned a couple of central truths, and we're going to learn a third one this morning. The first central truth that we've learned is this. If we want to grow the fruit of the Spirit, we must walk by the Spirit. A very simple truth, but it is central to our lives. The second central truth is this. Growing the fruit of the Spirit reflects the freedom, the grace, and the gospel that we have in Christ. Led by the Spirit, we are not under law, but the grace and the gospel transforms us to become the kind of people that God wants us to be. This morning, we're going to look at a third central truth, and that central truth is this. Fruit is the result of the root. Will you read this slide with me, please? Here we go. Fruit is the result of the root. One more time, please. Fruit is the result of the root. Now, I want to illustrate that this morning. If you want an apple, you look at what kind of tree? Apple tree. Very, very good. All right? Fruit is the result of the root. If you want an orange, you look at a what? Orange tree. Why? Because fruit is the result of the root. If you want bananas, very good, all right? You look at a banana tree, right? Because fruit is the result of the root. And if you want money, you look at a what? Well, that's what some people think. All right? And if you will allow me one more, please. If you want Buckeyes, you look at an Ohio State tree. <laughs> Dave almost got up and walked out on that one. But here is the reality. Fruit is the result of the root. Say it with me, will you please? Fruit is the result of the root. Now, we've come to the part where Paul starts to identify what that fruit looks like. And we begin with verse 19. You have it in your Bibles? Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Now, stop right there, will you please? Fruit is the result of the root. And Paul is going to identify 15 qualities of the flesh. None of these are good. Now, I want to say up front that all sin is against God. It's missing God's perfect, holy mark. But I tell you that up front because I am going to identify these 15 qualities in three different categories. And it's important that we recognize that this sin completely consumes our lives because it is of the flesh. Are you in your Bibles? Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, 
and things like these. Now stop right there. There are three categories, I believe, that Paul is given to us. The first category has to do with immorality. And he identifies two works of the flesh. He identifies sexual immorality and impurity. The second category that he gives to us is idolatry. And he identifies idolatry, sorcery. And the third category he gives to us has to do with injured relationships. Now, I want you to underline that in your mind. Because we're going to get to the fruit of the Spirit this morning, and we are going to see that the fruit of the Spirit allows us to have proper relationships. Because it all flows from God's grace and God's gospel, His love for us, into the lives of those who are around us. Immorality, sins against the body. Idolatry, having other gods. Injured relationships against others. Flowing from the flesh. And when the flesh controls us, this is what we get. Because the fruit is a result of the root. I think it interesting that he ends this list of fleshly actions with a catch-all where he says, and things like these. Now, we've already identified some of the things like these, haven't we? We identified them in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. That's things like these. And we could also go to verse 26 and identify some others. Where it says, let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That's things like these. The works of the flesh. the root is a result of the root. But Paul goes on to give to us consequences of this fruit in our lives. The last part of verse 22, 21, I'm sorry. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. The consequences of the flesh are this. Those who do. The Greek word has the idea of continue to do. Habitually practice. Live out as a lifestyle. This is not just a one-time event. This is something that's a habit pattern in people's lives. Those who have the habit of living according to the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, told us to beware of false prophets. 
those who run around in sheep's clothing. Even religious individuals. Why? Because inwardly they're like ravenous wolves. But he said you recognize them by their fruit. He said you don't get grapes from thorn bushes. And he says you don't get figs from thistles. Jesus reminds us that a good tree brings forth good fruit. And a bad tree brings forth bad fruit. And then he says, by this, by their fruit, you will know them. Fruit is a result of the root. And those who continue habitually practice these things as a lifestyle, Jesus says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because therefore, if any man is Christ, he's a new creature. Huh? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Right? It's the gospel that changes our lives. It's being born again into the family of God that gives to us the Spirit of God who indwells us and allows the Word of God to do its work. Those who are continually, habitually, with their lifestyle, doing it, they're not saved. Now, I'm thankful that God is the one who determines whether or not a person has been born again into the family or not. Amen? It's God who writes names in the Lamb's book of life. Because if it were left up to me, I wouldn't even make it. But Jesus said, by your fruits, you're known. Look at your lifestyle. Look at your habit pattern. It does make a difference. Now we come to one of those conjunctions again. Verse 22. But, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, we want to look at these just very quickly together this morning, all right? Fruit is the result of fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, love is not an option for the child of God. The one commandment that Jesus gave to us, John 15, and we'll get to it in a minute. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another. That's red letter stuff. Those are Jesus' words. Two chapters earlier, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. Not an option. For the child of God. Joy. This word is used some 70 times in New Testament Scripture, and it has the idea of deep down satisfaction. Remember that song we used to sing as kids? I've got the joy, 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 joy 
Now, don't just nod. Sing it with me, will you please? Here we go. I've got the joy, joy. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Amen? It's down in our heart. It's deep within our souls. It's a contentment. It's a satisfaction. It's a confidence that God is God and we can trust him to do all things well. We say it around here, don't we? God is good. All the time. That's joy. And it's that confidence that God has given to us. Peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Contentment. Confidence. The wonder that God has everything in control and that God is able to do all things well. I got to tell you that yesterday at the end of the first half of the Michigan-Ohio State game, when the Ohio State player muffed that punt, I didn't have a whole lot of peace. Michigan scored, but then with less than two minutes to go in the first half, Ohio State went down and scored, so all was good. But no matter what's going on in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Oh, man. Tolerance, long-suffering, endurance, a recognition that no matter what, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Somebody said the only people with patience are doctors. Only people with real patience are those who are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Patience is not an easy thing. Kindness. Did you note it? Kindness. A tender concern for others. A recognition that I can positively impact a life. Goodness. Spiritual excellence, righteousness, holiness in our lives. That's all good stuff. Faithfulness. Lamentations tells us it's because the Lord's mercy were not consumed. Great is his faithfulness. Aren't you thankful for God's faithfulness? Gentleness. Some translate that meekness. And self-control. Restraint. And then the scripture says, against such there is no law. Hmm? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you see the contrast of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit? Now, I want you to understand that fruit is the result of root. And if the root is the Spirit, this is the fruit you get. It's not that I can have a little bit of love and absolutely no self-control. Because that is not consistent with the root. It's not that I can choose to have a little bit of peace and absolutely no goodness. That is not consistent with the root. I also think it's important for us to understand that works of the flesh, works is singular or plural. That's not a trick question, folks. Plural, right? Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit singular or plural? Singular. Did, did you pick that up? Because the root is the source of the fruit. And in our lives, God has given to us this fruit so that we can be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Now, I told you earlier to recognize the relational difficulties that the flesh gives to us. Remember that? The relational difficulties that the flesh gives to us, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry. Do you remember that? I want you to look at this, and I want you to think about relationships. You see, the truth is, if our relationship with God, with the Spirit, is good, our relationship with others is going to be good. Because it's all about God's grace and the gospel being worked out in our lives. This is why we were saved. And God has given to us the wonder of living out his truth in our lives. Say it with me, will you please? Fruit. Next slide, Brenda. Whoops, there we go. Fruit is the result of the root. Verse 24, back to our text. And those who belong to Christ, stop right there. Let that sink in. Those who belong to Christ. Remember what we read at the end of verse 21? Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We've got a contrast here, but those who belong to Christ. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Fruit is the result of the root. Passions, desire come from the flesh. But those who belong to Christ have crucified it, put it to death. 
And the only way to get rid of it is to kill it. You can't cage it. You can't put it in the back corner and forget about it. The only way to get rid of it is to kill it. And the only way to kill it is to use the spirit to override it. So, let us live by the Spirit, verse 25. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Why? Because those who belong to Christ don't participate in conceitedness nor provoking or envying one another. It's not part of their nature. A nature driven by the Spirit of God. And say, wait a minute, preacher. You don't get it. You don't know my family. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know the people I work with. You don't understand my spouse's family. Turn over to Romans chapter 12, will you please? Romans chapter 12. Well, if I don't understand it, God doesn't either. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. He's thirsty? Give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. Well, maybe God doesn't understand your situation either. Pastor Spencer would say, that will never work. Yeah, it works. Because fruit is the result of the root. And it's the Spirit of God working out His grace and the gospel from our lives. Amen? Now let me very quickly take you back to John chapter 15. It's where we started all of this. 
And in John chapter 15, we are talking about being connected to Christ. And we are talking about being Christ-like disciples. And we have discovered there four evidences that prove we are his disciples. I want to take the time this morning to read this passage. The first 17 verses. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word, and I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The four qualities that prove that we are his disciples are these. It's all about Christ's likeness that we love one another, that we invest in fruit, that we keep his commandments, and that we recognize it's an exclusiveness to be connected to the vine. It's all about investing in fruit, isn't it? Because spiritual fruit proves our connectedness, our rootedness, if you will, in Christ. So how do we do this? Let me give you some take-home truths. Number one, check out your soil. We were in Matthew chapter 13 a couple of weeks ago. Talked about the hard soil and the stony soil and the thorny soil and the good soil. How's your soil? Check out your soil. Number two, cultivate. Receive the word of God. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all things. It's the word of the Spirit that makes a difference in our lives. It's the inspired word that is profitable for our lives. 
Number three, take care the water and weed. <laughs> when Paul was talking about husband wife relationships in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about the body, and he says that the body was cleansed by the washing of the water, which is the word. You can't grow anything unless you water it. And you won't get good fruit unless you weed it. James says, put away all filthiness and wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God. And lastly, be connected. Be connected to the source. Why? Because the fruit is a result of the root. Can you say that with me this morning? The fruit is the result of the root. Oh, you did it well. You see, what Jesus said in John chapter 15 was this. I'm the vine. Who are the branches? Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But may I add, with him, we can do everything.